All right, dog. Count us in whenever you're ready. All right. Three, two, one. In a world full of great podcasts, one podcast has jumped above the others. A podcast very simply titled The Cow Park Bros. The Cow Park Bros podcast is a story of two heroes. I mean, of two bros from Cow Park. Where they come to us every Thursday night with stories and conversations of all sorts of topics, including sports, pop culture, music, you name it. Terrence and Jason will talk about it. Now, let's get back to the Cal Park Bros podcast. Because one of these days, I will get paid greatly for all my great advertisements. Now, here is the Cal Park Bros. Take it away, gentlemen. Park Bros Podcast. I am your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in from the Bat Cave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? I am fantastic, sir. Another lovely Tuesday. It's going to be a short week at work, so I'm pretty happy with that. I'm ready to get into the show, get some hot takes, make people mad. I'm ready to start that, man. Yeah. Let's hope you piss as many people off in episode nine as you did in episode eight. So, uh, I will admit that is a goal, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, based off of some of your uh, educational-related takes in Episode 8, I immediately thought, based off of some of the feedback we got, that you should be playing Nas Hate Me Now, like, on repeat all week. Hey, first off, I don't mind the hate. I want people to like me, of course, like anybody else. But if you're going to hate me, hate me, and that's fine. You know, bring it. We have a website. For re- or rather, we have a Facebook page for a reason, a social media pages, email, whatever message you guys send me send me when it comes to hate messages, bring it. Right on. As long as you're listening, that's all that matters. Thanks. True that. Thank you again for listening, wonderful listeners. This is episode nine of the Cal Park Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Cal Park Bros is a weekly podcast for fans of culture, sports, current events, life, and entertainment. And we are your hosts, Terrence and Jason. 
And every single Thursday, we release a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, the sports we love, and athletes we love as well. And some of the athletes we loathe. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. Good old Cal Park, Illinois. But for more Cal Park Bros content, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, under the handle Cal Park Bros for behind the scenes content of the show and to engage with us every single day. The Cal Park Bros podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And guys, gals, non-binary, if you like us, why wouldn't you? Damn right. Best line ever in podcast history. All right, guys. Um, we've got a jam-packed uh, slate of segments. Um, first off, we're going to talk about uh, Jamel Hill versus ESPN. Uh, Jamel Hill for the uninitiated. Um had a very long history as a personality on the worldwide leader at ESPN. I believe she departed, she parted ways with ESPN in 2018, uh, frankly, because ESPN is trying to figure out how they're going to divorce politics and sports. Good luck. <laughs> Literal $30 billion fucking stadiums can't be built without politics. So good luck trying to divorce politics from sports. Um, but Jamel Hill brought up an interesting uh, thing regarding the coverage of how women's sports was covered versus the uh, uh, that bullshit exhibition between uh, why am I skipping his name um, Floyd Mayweather and I believe the other dude's name is Logan Paul, which you couldn't pay me to fucking watch that shit if it was two boxers for real, just because, um, well, one, I've always preferred heavyweights, you know, this, this medium boxing shit has never been attractive to me. Um, at least in my adulthood, maybe when my dad was trying to get me to check out a fight, you know, 30 years ago, but yeah, the fact that it's this crazy ass exhibition between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather, uh, Jamel Hill might have a point because basically there was a shit ton of coverage when that fight went down. Whereas when um, Simone Biles actually won like a legitimate contest uh, about a week ago, didn't get anywhere near the amount of press. So Jason, what are your thoughts on that? You know, does Jamel Hill have a legitimate ax to grind on this, you know, regarding the coverage of, of and the legitimacy, um, not that it needs to be legitimized, but the way that we as a society cover women's sports. What do you think? Does she have a point here? Well, I, I think what you've hit on there is the fact that the Mayweather fight versus Logan Paul was an exhibition. It was even determined before the fight happened when it comes to the setup of the fight that there will be no official winner determined for this. So no, no matter what happened, there was going to be no winner. So there's that there. Whereas, you know, you mentioned Simone Biles and what Jamel Hill was talking about was the fact in that, that same week of the fight, Simone Biles won her seventh U.S. gymnastics title, which no one's ever done before. So making history, right? And in that same week, and the, the fight was actually June 6th. So apparently in that week, Sports Center's Instagram coverage 
made about 17 posts about Logan Paul losing that exp- exhibition fight, but they made zero posts when it comes to what Simone Biles did. So Jamel's kind of bringing up, you know, that she's always been a, ch- a champion for women's sports, you know, blacks, you know, far as, you know, that whole thing as well. And so she's been a champion for that, you know, obviously in the medium she could. And I think that that's, that is something to think about. And I know one thing she addressed in the article was people could say, oh, well, there's more interest for Logan Paul, you know, which in fairness, there may be a little bit. I mean, just when it comes to Instagram, Logan Paul has 20 million followers. Simone Biles has 4 million. Okay, there is a difference, but Smile has 4 million followers. Clearly, that person has some interest. There's people behind them that want to actually know about that. So um, now, again, the numbers I mentioned, 17 to 0, that's just their Instagram posts. I don't know what the difference would have been on on the actual Sports Center show on TV. I'd imagine there was probably still some disparity there. But um, it, it is very interesting. It is definitely a legitimate thing to bring up, especially since we are in the Olympic season, especially, which we talked about in a previous episode as well. Um, here, I believe that's going to be starting here in about a month or wow, a month or so. It's flying by, man. So you would think her doing this on the road to the Olympics, and she's on the Jim Dash's team, by the way. So you'd think they would have given her more attention about this. You know, hoping she can bring home another goal for herself and the U.S. So um, I would definitely say it's a legitimate gripe. Um, I agree with you when it comes to the Logan Paul thing and Mayweather. From those two points there, I had no interest in watching the fight either. Uh, I was never a fan of Mayweather when he was actually fighting real fights. And Logan Paul, again, not knocking for it, but he's a social media guy. and. Kudos to him. He, he he clearly trains for boxing. You can see that physically. So kudos to him. But I literally have no interest in watching him do that, nor anything else. So paying money for this fight, again, that counts for nothing, had no interest in it. Uh, however, you and I are definitely in the minority, perhaps, because um, it got a few uh, pay-per-view buys, um, over a million pay-per-view buys, a million people. And <laughs> just... Me, dude. Yeah, a million pay-per-view buys, and just from the pay-per-view buys, $50 million. Yeah, and that's according to a report I see here on Bleacher Report, by the way. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously they're charging for it, you know, and because it's Mayweather, people are going to buy it just because of that. And then, of course, you have Logan Paul's people wanting to buy it too. So I I get why that happened. I I know I'm not taking part of it. And kind of double down on that when it comes to the – the interest of that fight and at least the, the caliber of fighters in there or fighter in there with Mayweather, he actually made $35 million from that exhibi- exhibition fight. Who did? Paul? No, no. Well, Mayweather, 35 mil. Between the pay-per-view buys and his $10 million purse, he made that kind of money for that exhibition fight against a social media star. Now, Logan Paul himself, his purse wasn't that big, only a quarter, million, a quarter of a million dollars, but he got 10% of the pay- pay-per-view money, so... 10% of 5 million, he got paid 5 million bucks to fight what many people call a legend in the sport of boxing. So go figure that, man. Um, so people obviously watch the fight, so I get in some regard the extra attention on SportsCenter. But to give Sabone Biles and probably other female sports as well no attention or less that much less attention, I mean, 17 posts in a week 
about him about Logan Paul specifically losing that fight. It's kind of like really. So I got other stuff we can talk about with that. But what do you think? Um, well, I am going to bring up something related to who based if we're looking at the same stuff, um, the same stats uh, and references here. So apparently Mayweather holds pay-per-view buy records for the top four boxing events in history. Mayweather versus Pacquiao, 4.4 million buys. Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, 4.3 million buys. And then De La Hoya versus Mayweather, 2.4 million. And Mayweather versus Canelo Alvarez, 2.2 million. Fifth, by the way, Evander Holyfield versus Mike Tyson, two. Okay, the second one. Yes. Yeah. Y'all motherfuckers will watch anything, man. It's a little disgusting. It's a little disgusting. It's like, come on. I I have my own personal reasons for just not contributing to that shit. Um, just because a lot of that Floyd Mayweather money was basically predicated off of how much people hated either Floyd or the guy he was up against. Like when the Floyd Mayweather and McGregor fight happened, my first thought was under no circumstances will I ever put money down for this and nor will I be talking about this shit leading up to it. Because I know that's 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 contributing to that as well. You know, the pay-per-views done, you know, I'm not I don't feel like we're contributing to that problematic purse by having this discussion. I do feel that leading up to those fights, it was like, okay, here's how much these people hate Floyd and here's how much these people hate the other person up against Floyd. And Floyd knows that. He like Floyd is basically the fucking Hollywood Hogan of boxing. Name somebody else who has harnessed hate as a financial uh, leap pad. Say, you know what? I know you, you motherfuckers hate my guts, and I'm about to go laugh all the way to the bank about it. To the point that he enjoys being the heel. He knows it. You know, and that's not to, to besmirch anything he's done uh, technically from a boxing perspective. It's just there is absolutely a marketing aspect of this. And I think he knows where his bread is, his, his bread is buttered. Uh, and that's basically making motherfuckers hate him. <laughs> so he, he, he has absolutely made that a lucrative part of his enterprise. Um, but I also think, Mason, that it does say a lot about our culture and we'll fucking watch anything. Like there was literally nothing on the fucking line here. Floyd wasn't about to put his fucking undefeated ass record on the line for this shit. And if there was nothing on the line, why the fuck would you watch? Oh, oh well, I was going to say, why would he do it? Because of money. But I why knew he'd do it. Because he'd be stupid not to. Oh, yeah. I mean, 35, I mean, just the 10 million bucks alone. I mean, and then 10% of the, of the uh, pay-per-view stuff. Yeah. 35 yeah. mil. Okay. For an exhibition fight that, you know, now, now obviously if he lost the fight, then there'll, there'll be, some people will talk about that shit all day. Excuse my language. No rematch. Ain't going to be no rematch, Jay. <laughs> well, 
we'll see about that. But yeah. but um, I, I think there definitely is something to that when it comes to people watch not only because they like a certain individual or team, they watch because they, they hate a certain individual or team. They want to see that person lose. So they got to pay money for that. And I agree with you, especially not so much with Pacquiao or Canelo Alvarez, because I think people don't necessarily – I mean, there's, I'm sure there are some. But as a whole, I don't think people are really hating Manny Pacquiao or Canelo Alvarez. Now, Mayweather versus McGregor, wholeheartedly. I think both those individuals have a good base of people who like them, McGregor and Mayweather, but they probably have an equally amount of people that don't like them. And I'm probably in the camp of the people that didn't like either one of them. Uh, I wasn't going to watch it anyway because I knew what was going to happen based on what I've seen with Conor McGregor and his MMA fights. I knew Mayweather was going to draw, drag it out, beat him in the later rounds, so I didn't bother watching it. But if if I was a casual fan of boxing and wanted to see something entertaining, just watching them go at it in the the pre all the all the oh. pre fight build up, yeah, that was that was entertaining. I found that entertaining. It made me hate them, maybe hate, hate McGregor even more, but but still, I, I get that. But I tell you something else, Terrence. You know what's grown. In all this time, the last week, two weeks, when it comes to, you know, you know the uh, the Paul brothers, you know what's grown in all that time? The list of, probably. Well, well, sort of, but probably that too. But the list of people that want to fight the Paul brothers. You ready for this list here? Go for it. And this has been confirmed off many posts, including the Insta- uh, social media posts of all these individuals. So Lamar Odom, former NBA All-Star. Daniel Cormier, former two in two weight divisions MMA champion in the UFC. Kamaru Usman, the current UFC welterweight champion. Cody Garbrandt, former UFC bantamweight champion. Kendall Gill, Chicago's own former NBA star. Current NFL player Le'Veon Bell. Hold up, hold up. Ken, I'm sorry, you said Kendall Gill? Kendall Gill, yeah. Well, we, we know he can fight. <laughs> this is this is true. That's why I went through that challenge out there. Exact, exact. See, I wasn't going to go there, but actually, you know, we know I mean, that. <laughs> right off, because I'm like, yeah, yeah. That dude tried to run somebody to fade in the in in the fucking Comcast uh, office. But but uh, yeah, Le'Veon Le'Veon Bell, current NFL player, Anthony Ogogo, um, former Olympic boxer for England, current uh, wrestler in the AEW, uh, the game. A rapper, you know, challenge him to a fight, and then last but not, certainly not least, we actually have a female who challenged them to to a fight of some sort. Thunder Rosa, who is also an NWA uh, wrestler. So, um, yeah, so a growing list of people that want to fight these dudes, and I think there's we mentioned hate, and I think a lot of that goes to the, to the Paul brothers as well. Probably less of a valid reason to hate them as like Mayweather and McGregor, but people still do. It's because of that social media presence. People don't like the fact that they're getting famous for doing nothing. Now, obviously, they're, they're training in boxing, which is probably more talent than they've expressed before. And I'm sure people are going to hate me for saying that. So bring it. But, but yeah, so, but I think a lot of people want to challenge them in fighting, obviously, athletes as well. So they feel like, you know what, I got that athletic skill. I can fight this dude. I can beat this dude. So I want to fight him. Now, now, of course, I'm sure very few of these fights, or if any, will probably never happen. But it does make you well. You know, I shouldn't say never. I shouldn't say never. We saw, we did just see Lamar Odom knock out Aaron Carter to say to say. Did you did you see that? 
Yeah, Lamar. I, yeah, look, I didn't see it, but I heard about it, and yeah, everything we've been talking about for at least twelve minutes is literally in the movie it, Idiocracy. So, yeah, it, it was a very short fight, and obviously, you know, Lamar Odom, a very tall individual, six nine, I believe. So I'm sure he has a really long reach. Uh, Aaron Carter, last I checked, is nowhere near that. Probably not even six feet tall. Um, so yeah, very short fight. I think Lamar Odom won it. They called it a knockout, but I think it was more like Aaron Carter quit uh, from the video I saw. Um, I quit. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 12 seconds, maybe 20 seconds in, whatever the hell it was. But, but yeah. Lamar yeah, but, kept tagging him with that fucking left hand. Boop, boom. Exactly. So, but yeah, I, I think, you know, as long as the Paul brothers are boxing, I think there's always going to be those other athletes in whatever realm it will be, either MMA, boxing, wrestling, music, actors. I guess you could say that as well. There's always going to be the people that, you know, want to fight them. And now I was reading somewhere, I kind of skipped over it because it made me kind of throw up a little bit. But apparently there's going to be talks that the next fight they have is going to be with each other. Logan Paul versus Jake Paul. And that's probably going to make people hate him even more. It's like, why? Like, them doing it's one thing, but people are going to be all mad. like, okay, wait a minute. Why, why are they actually putting this on TV anywhere? Because apparently Showtime is falling in love with those two dudes, which, which if I'm Showtime and I'm bringing them money, if they bring me money, yeah, I, I love them to death. You, you want, who you want to fight? You want to fight my grandma? Okay, scared in the ring. And as long as you're bringing me in 50 million bucks again, great. But, you know, I mean, we'll see how long they do this. They're both pretty young, obviously, so they can probably fight for, you know, on whatever level for a while. So we may not see the last of either one of the Paul brothers fighting in some sort of fashion. Uh, and it may be some type of deal to get on Showtime, depending on who they want to fight. So, you know, but again, I do want to iterate that there's no hate at all on the Paul brothers, Mayweather, whoever else. If people are willing to shell out money to watch you fight, no matter who it is it's against, hey, that's not your fault, player. Go get your money. I'll do the same thing. If somebody offered me a million bucks to go fight Mayweather, Okay, great. Or Logan Paul or Jake Paul, sign me up. Give me a month of training. I'll do it tomorrow or a month after tomorrow, whatever. But um, but yeah, no hate on no hate on them. Like you said before, it's society for wanting to pay for all that stuff, and people can be entertained by what they want to. But I I would ask anybody listening to this actually paid money for that fight. Why? That's a good question. Yeah, I'm, it's it's, I'm, it's, a, it's a good question. That if you have any feedback you want to provide to that question, submit it to us because I I would love to know. Yeah, yeah. For me, it just starts with preferences because preferences don't you know exist in a vacuum. You know, no one woke up. You know, one day you said, you know what, I'm going to be interested in basketball or football or or boxing or what have you you know, these preferences start early. And, and if you don't even present women's sports as an option for, 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 for boys, um, and, and girls, um, to even be interested in at a young age, then hell, you're, you are literally defining if that person will look at, at that particular, uh, sport, uh, as an entertainment medium. So, 
Um, I'm approaching it from that perspective because my my thing is I don't even give a shit if Floyd Mayweather made another $25 million or, or whatever the fuck. My thing is Jamel Hill may, may have had a point because if women can't even get a fair fucking shake from from a company like ESPN that you know literally made fucking Yukon the fucking women's basketball mecca that it is because you know they had that campus in Bristol if they can't get a fair shake in well you and you nailed it on the head in an Olympics year if Simone Biles can't get more 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 play in an Olympics year then it's never going to happen because they're not operating in good faith. Um, and at that point, if you're just going to be, you know, showcasing fucking bullshit exhibition stuff where there's not even wins and losses on the fucking line, then you're kind of cheapening the whole idea of sport in the first place. You know, at least in that con- in that competition, there was some ranks on the line, you know? These motherfuckers is just basically going to be hugging for a couple of rounds. I know that's an exaggeration. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. I saw the highlights. You're almost correct. So, yeah. But, yeah. Like, that's, that, that's some, like, celebrity deathmatch on MTV type of cute shit, you know? I probably would have actually paid more, more, more money to see that again than watch those two fight. Because thinking back to Celebrity Deathmatch, those little claymation things, some of those are actually pretty pretty entertaining. I actually would have paid money to see some of those, depending on who they got got in that. It's kind of like the show Versus that comes on. If they did something like that similar to Celebrity Deathmatch, I would easily do that. Give, yeah, give me Cardi B versus Megan Thee Stallion in Celebrity Deathmatch. That would be awesome. I'm sorry. Uh, but, to, but, to, but to clarify, I'm I, I, again, again clarifying... That matchup, sorry. So, well, again, clarifying, celebrity death match, not a WAP contest. That, so let's, if you don't know what that is, look it up. We're not going to go into it. And no, it's not wireless access point, Terrence. Don't go there. But um, but yeah, man, I, I agree with you that, and I know people are going to say women's sports is never going to get the same attention as men's sports do. And I get that thinking. But it's not necessarily, and I think this is probably, more my point too is like not like you're talking, you know, talking about, you know, a particular team in the situation. It's one individual that we're talking about, Simone Biles. Somebody for gymnastics goals, Olympics goals, and very celebrated when it comes to that. I mean, there was Gabby Douglas, and almost immediately the next year, Simone Biles took over and everybody fell in love with her. Yep. Came through and, and Gabby Douglas did amazing, but Simone Biles came through and crushed the fucking buildings. Right. So. Exactly. And it's gonna be about her again in about another month. You know, and, and obviously everybody's going to forget about Logan Paul and his brother Jake in this fight. And I get that. But, but like I said earlier, it's one thing for Logan Paul and, and Mayweather to get more posts about social media about it. I get that. But for ESPN and SportsCenter, for that whole week, they have zero posts about it. Something's wrong there. I mean, something's wrong. I mean, and and – yeah, so I mean, I know yeah. there may have been other stuff going on in women's sports, 
perhaps that probably might got more talked about than Simone. But again, 17, Logan Paul losing the fight post versus Simone Biles winning a, a historic feat, 17-0. Yeah. I know, you know, I was checking out uh, my Facebook feed and some people were kind of uh, mentioning that the College World, uh, World Series for softball was going on during the, was going on during the day, um, and if you're like and if you're like me, uh, I happen to be working during the day. Um, I might have had more. Uh, I might have been willing to actually, you know, check out you know check out the College World Series um, if I didn't have a work conflict. Um, and listen, I'm. I understand every enterprise got to pay the bills. Um, and I definitely think the Dana White connection related to that fight with Mayweather and Paul may have also factored into it as well. Wait, wait, how was Dana White connected to that? Um, didn't he broker that fight in some way? I'm I'm not going to confirm or deny that. I didn't hear that, but uh, definitely something to look into. I didn't, I've been kind of, if that's true, uh, true, I'd be kind of surprised at that, but Hey, whenever money's on the line, people will do anything outside of the norm to get their hands on any of that. So, yeah. So I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I found that kind of interesting that um, he might be involved with that. So sorry about that. Go ahead. No, that, I mean, I don't know that to be fact. I'm just thinking that maybe that had something to do with it because there is a MMA ESPN relationship. I know ESPN Plus has been going crazy with uh, promos for the pay-per-views on that. So I don't know if that's playing a, a part in that as well. Um, but still, it wasn't even a real fucking event, dog. And that's where I'm just gonna land on it. Well, I mean, I don't want to say it wasn't a real event. It's an exhibition. I mean, as all of all for all the knocking we did on this in the last twenty minutes or so, it brought in all that money. So is it was it not a real event? I mean, I have to say I'm, it was. I have to say it was a real event. I mean, it didn't have anything on the line other than full fucking price for preseason games. That don't make the games real. Oh, by the way, one other interesting point that I, I'm going to confirm, but I, say, I saw this in multiple places. So I mentioned earlier that Floyd Mayweather made 35 million bucks total on this one fight. Supposedly, that's more money than Larry Bird and Magic Johnson made in their entire playing careers. I believe it. Originally, when I heard that, I'm like, no way. But now that I'm looking at that number, 35 million, I, I, yeah, I, I believe it. I do believe that. We don't have to go on a whole diatribe about it, but I actually do believe it now that I'm looking at that number, 35 million. That's probably right. So I'm thinking, I know I know Jordan, I think one year made 30 million in one, one year. Jordan I, didn't start making 30 million until literally his second to last year. Exactly. Exactly. So take, consider that, then go back over Bird and Magic's career when they weren't paying nobody anywhere close to that kind of money per year. So yeah, that's now obviously we're in a different way different time now. You got players in the league making more than that in one year now. Steph Curry, K D, stuff like that. But yeah, that, I just found that pretty interesting that Mayweather in one exhibition fight made more money in the entire than the, in the entire careers of two NBA Hall of Fame legends. So but yeah, but so yeah, so I so I, I definitely don't want to agree with you when it comes to that there wasn't a real event because clearly it was. Um but like I said, just didn't have nothing on the line. Well, I don't even want to say they have nothing on, on the line. On the line, I, I don't want. I don't want to say they have nothing on the line because because I did go into this fight saying that okay, if you're Logan Paul, 
you really have you truly have nothing to lose. If if you beat Mayweather, then even though well, even though there wasn't an official winner, people can still look at that and say, okay, he won the fight. If you lose, so what? You lost to Floyd Mayweather. If you Mayweather, you really had nothing in the game, but you had everything to lose. So I don't want to say there was nothing nothing on the line. It was just something on the line for Mayweather. Because if he lost in any way whatsoever to Logan Paul, people would have made excuses about Logan Paul's bigger, which is true, but still would have been, the headline would have been, Mayweather looks bad against Logan Paul. Logan Paul makes Mayweather look old or whatever, whatever it would have been, you know? So there was something on the line. Maybe nothing important of meaning, no belts, no titles, nothing, maybe none of that. But, you know. Jason, there was only one thing on the line our dignity. <laughs> and we lost it. We lost, we, it's, it's been lost. So the, the Jason to me wants to come back and make a snappy retort to that, but I don't think I want to. I think I want to let that go because I, yeah. I, I see the point you make and I get it and probably agree with it. So there right you go. On. Well, that concludes our second one about uh, that exhibition in quotations um, and really coverage in women's sports. Coming up next in segment two, we're going to talk about uh, just overall summertime body image. Uh, now that the economy's reopened, uh, coming up on Cal Park Bros. Welcome back to Cal Park Bros. Now that Jason and I have uh, properly besmirched the uh, the holy grail that is boxing, um, and t- frankly called out what we consider to be, you could argue that's kind of sexist. Um, if a wildly decorated Olympian is not getting their just due. We wanted to pivot to something that is near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is personal fitness. Um, Jason, I know with things being reopened ar- around the country, um, for example, beaches, um, gyms, and whatnot, um, you, de- you're definitely going to see a push um, for um, p- uh, a refocus on on personal health. Um especially from the, the obsession with, uh, losing weight. Um, I've personally kind of gotten off of that narcotic and started to fixate a little bit more on other metrics. I, I really find that a lot of people end up doing themselves a disservice, um, when they only focus on weight loss, um, as a way to determine how healthy one could be. Um, so I've been a little kinder to myself actually. Um, and I was checking out this one article that says 27 really great fitness goals. It has nothing to do with weight loss is from Buzzfeed. (laughs) Um, and one of the, the, the goals was to finally work out consistently 
And that one really spoke to me. Um, I think for a lot of people, you know, working out is almost like church, like having, having that foundation in their life. And I wanted to know, um, if you've had anything like that in, in, in your, um, personal fitness journey where you feel like, okay, I'm doing well, but I'm not using a number on a scale to determine whether or not you're actually getting closer to your goals or not. So I, I can't put out the moment when I kind of when it clicked and realized that the number on the scale by itself isn't the most important thing. And I'm glad you mentioned it too when it comes to that's the well, that shouldn't be the only thing we look at. I mean, I, I definitely get that, you know, to having that as like an end goal as well. But I think and if you do have a number, there's all sorts of mini victories that you can get along that way that are really, really more important than it comes to what's on the scale. And but I, I can say one thing is that I do remember uh, this is back in like 2012, and you know me, I've been in the lifting weights and everything for going back to you know teenage years, you know college or even high school before, you know. Um, but I remember back in like 2012. I remember I was working somewhere and I had a week off of work and I was, it was going to be a staycation and I wasn't going to go anywhere. And I knew I'm like, since I'm not going nowhere, you know what? I'm going to take this week, get really in shape, lose a whole bunch of weight. So what I decided to do, what I tried to do anyway, was I figured I was going to do nothing but cardio the whole week. I was going to do like a two a day, all seven days, cardio in the morning, cardio in the evening and do that for seven days. Right. Cause I was so focused on, I want to get to this number on the scale and that was it. I wanted to get that goal. Now, now obviously, now I will tell you, I wore myself out by doing all that cardio. Uh, I I think I got to like day five and I couldn't do the two, two day thing. I was up here done and physically I was just like, I don't feel like doing it, you know? So I was wearing myself out trying to get the number on the scale. And I don't even recall if I even got the, the number I wanted to. I don't even know. Doesn't really matter now. But, but I definitely can attest to that. And if anybody who's listening that knows me knows I'm really into fitness now, but back then I wasn't quite as knowledgeable when it comes to, you know, not focusing on the scale, but focusing on other victories that are more important. So, so obviously things have changed now. Obviously, you know, there's a number goal I have, but I know now that, okay, what's the means to get to that goal? Not other than just losing weight, just to lose weight. Uh, I focus more on certain things like body fat percentage, things like that, which obviously if you're dropping body fat, you're going to drop number on the scale, but that's more important than just losing that. Cause I don't want to lose muscle, things like that, blah, blah, blah. But long story of the short, it is, like I said before, there's so many victories along the way to your fitness goal, whatever it may be that are more important that people need to focus on. And I, I, re- I really do think that those victories are actually what people are really focused on and what's more important to them. And I'll know that as long as they get past what's on that scale, that number goal on the scale. Like, for example, I found an article on CNN Health that mentioned like five signs that your workouts are working besides what that number says on the scale. And the, and this is, and the first one they mentioned is kind of something I tell everybody, but it says your pants are fitting looser. I mean, I tell you what, man, I, I don't think if you're male or female, I don't think it really matters if, if, if the pants you have like in your closet right now, you put them on and they feel looser to you in the waist and the legs and the butt, whatever it may be. Even if that scale said the exact same thing as it, you know, after a week or so after when the first day you started, if you can feel those pants being looser, 
then you're probably, guess what? You're probably going to look at it as a victory. You're not going to care what that scale says because you're like, wait, why are these pants a little looser in my waist? But the scale says, well, I don't care. I like what's in, you know there in the waist. And you can apply that same thing to the other stuff on this list, like a tighter uh, strap on your bra is needed because obviously you're losing weight. And if you obviously don't wear a bra, you can apply the same thing to your shirt. Um, but these next two things, I think, get lost a lot from people is you have more energy and you have improved endurance. And I think the first one there, more energy, is extremely important. Now, it's like for me and you, as we get older, you know, and not to say that we're old people, but older with an ER. But um, I think that's more important because obviously, naturally, sometimes you lose energy as you get older. But if you're able to fight that off, and just by your consistent working out, like you mentioned, if you can get that extra energy, trust me, that's I think that's even more important. Like take, for example, my dad. Um, my my dad is I won't give away his age, but obviously, you know, you, you guys know you guys know how old I am, so just hey, figure it out from there. Do the math. But anyway, uh he, you know, obviously when it's not times during COVID, you know, when the weather's better, he's outside playing tennis uh in his complex. He's walking or riding his bike along Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. Um, he's going to classes, working out, yoga. He told me he's even was doing before. And, you know, again, obviously, you know, he, he may not have as much energy as he did when he was 20, but I have to say he has a lot more energy than your average 70-year-old. You know, and I, yeah, I, I, sorry, I just gave the age away. I tried, sorry. But, um, um, but yeah, so I think that's increasingly important. If you can still maintain some level of activity or even increase your endurance, or energy as well, that's even better. But talking about endurance, if when you started working out, you could barely walk and now you're jogging or now you're running or now you're running, you run even further than you went before, that's a more important victory. You know, forget the scale. Scale, the scale will work itself out. All that other stuff is really what's more important there, you know? So, and then, you know, and I know you found some other articles too, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, you, you hit on something first off, that's fucking awesome that your dad is still killing it, even though he's 70, you know, and that's fucking crazy that we, we look at people, you know, you would think that with life and life expectancy, uh, increasing that our quality of life would also increase. Unfortunately for many of us, um, that is not the case. Uh, I've determined to absolutely be um, the the exemplary ex- example um, in that case. I definitely can tell you I have a higher level of energy at 41 than I did at 30. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. Um, I am definitely more uh, self-confident. I mean, shit, I was at the... Uh, at the uh, clubhouse pool this weekend, had my shirt off, and for a, for a minute, I was like, "I don't give a fuck if anybody thinks that that I'm fat um, or whatever." It's like, first off, I feel good. I deserve to feel good and feel like I'm the coolest motherfucker in this at this pool right now and be comfortable in my own skin. And you cannot put a price on that, Jason. I don't give a shit how old you are. I don't give a shit how uh, overweight you are. When you have that mentality that, hey, 
I exist, I belong, and I feel confident in myself, and you're self-assured, and you're not worried about what some motherfucker two, you know, seats down looks like, and you're just doing your own thing, and you you got your own vibe, and you're on your own fucking planet. It's like, listen, that is worth its weight in gold. That cannot be defined on a scale, though. And for me, it's like, hey, I'm aware. Like, I'll try and weigh myself maybe um, two or three times a week. And I'm not obsessing about it the way I was when I was in my 30s, where I was like floundering, like, oh, my God, I'm five pounds heavier than I was yesterday. And I proceed to fucking eat my weight in gummy bears and dumb shit like that. I feel in control. I, I am cognizant of the fact that, hey, even if that number isn't what I would like it to be, I understand that I have the most control over that other than anybody else. And that um, that level of self-awareness and that self-assuredness um, is, is something that you can't get from a scale, you know? The scale can be your friend, but also the scale can be your enemy, especially if you let it be your enemy. You know, let it be a tool to get you to where you want to go. But ultimately, it's not going to um, do the work for you. And and listen, after the last 15 months, I am definitely not denying myself um, um, drinks or sweets or anything like that. I'm simply aware that, hey. If I want a certain type of result, I have to do so in moderation. Um, And that level of understanding um, has has really served me well the last, you know, three, four months, man, while we were waiting for shit to reopen. So, um, yeah, I I definitely agree that there are a, a multitude of ways that you can measure success from a personal fitness standpoint. Uh, without driving yourself fucking crazy, weighing yourself all the time. Like, that's how you get to like that toxic level of, oh my God, I need to do this to lose a pound, or I need to do this to gain a pound, or I need to not do this, or I need to not hang out with this person. It's like, you're going to drive yourself fucking crazy. You know, the 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 road to uh, progress ultimately does not, um, does not, uh, is not built from extremes. And that's what we as a culture need to understand that like, hey, if you want to build something solid from a personal um, fitness, and you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the physical, when you were talking about, um, you know, going crazy with the cardio, but you also mentioned the mental, like your mind was like, why the fuck am I doing all that? What is the purpose behind that? Everything that I do, I try to do with a purpose. I'm like, hey, if I can do this at the gym, I can do this. Um, this will help me do something better when I'm when I'm home, um, or something better when I'm at work. Like, I want to keep my 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 body sharp. I want to keep my mind sharp. And be able to 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 use those 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 those, those gifts um, and harness those in other ways, um, not only for myself but also for my household, for my community, and 
yeah, it just it, a lot of that is really just stemming from a mindset, um, and that should drive really everyone's personal fitness journey. But that also comes in hand when you have people that believe in you, man. Like, like you've seen me at my heaviest, and you knew I didn't. Yeah, you know, I didn't sound like this. I didn't feel like this. More importantly, so. Even if you don't have what you would consider to be your ideal body or your ideal mind, you still need people behind you and alongside you to encourage you. So, Jason, I'm just going to say thank you for being a fucking rock star friend for encouraging me because, you know, because of you, because of my mom, because of my sister, because of my wife, um, an assortment of other friends. I've been able to not give up. You know, I had so many reasons um, in my 30s to give up and just quit and say, fuck it, I'm never going to be able to feel a certain way. So for me, that's really was the game changer was not only not giving up on myself, but also having a community of friends and family around me that also did not give up on me. So that that's a big part that I think some people are missing. They don't even have a community. So find your tribe is what I would say. Um, you know, if you're around people who don't support, if you want to make a change and you're constantly around people that basically like, nah, nah, you can just keep doing the same shit, but you're not actually getting to where you want to go, then you have to kind of reevaluate that. Um, and you mentioned, you know, your dad being 70, you know, who, when I, when I roll up in the gym and people are like, damn, Terrence, you lost a lot of weight, man. You look great. You know, who some of the biggest fucking cheerleaders are at the gym, 50, 60 year old black men that say, Hey man, you know, you're killing it, man. You're doing great. That is pushing me. Because I'm literally looking at dudes like, damn, that might be me in 10 years. These motherfuckers are 10 years older than me and they're in better shape than I am. They've raised the bar. So that is also a component of it. I'm a competitive motherfucker. You know, I, dude, I've been at the gym and I've seen fucking grandparents in there that can bench press me. Okay. So. When, when you find your tribe, things change. So, you, excuse me. You definitely said a lot there, and I'm glad you did. I, when we decided that on this as the topic, I was hoping you would just kind of start flowing with the words. So when you were saying all that stuff, I'm like, I had my hand away from the microphone. I wasn't ready. I was letting you go because I was like, this is all the stuff I wanted him to say. I'm glad he said it. So I'm glad you got to all that, man. Um, and and I will say this, I actually, what you said that I saw you at your, or knew you at your heaviest, and actually that's not true. I actually didn't. Um, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this before in, in the previous time we kind of brought this up sort of, is that you mentioned a, a time frame in your life when you were your heaviest, and I didn't know that you were that heavy. I didn't know that. 
Now, I don't know if I'm, I don't, honestly, I can't recall if I actually physically saw you in person during that time frame or not. But I do remember you telling me the certain number that you were before that, and it wasn't anywhere near what you were at your heaviest, according to what you've told me. So, um, but, but like I've said, but did say before, I'm definitely glad that you made it past that situation there. Um, and like you said, you're striving to stay away from that. But in all the stuff you did say, you hit on a lot of key things there. But I do think the, the huge important thing is you mentioned when it comes to self-image and self-confidence. I, I think those are hugely, I'll go ahead and say probably the most important things no matter what you say on the scale. Because there are people that, you know, obviously you mentioned too, society has those stigmas that they put on people no matter what they are, whether they're bigger or small, whatever they may be. And if someone is bigger, obviously society will say whatever they're going to say about them. But sometimes those people who are bigger, they don't care. They embrace it. They still have a good self-confidence about that. They have a good self-image. You know what? That's fine. That is perfectly fine. If you're happy with who you are physically or even mentally too, hey, do you. Do you. I I know um, uh, Lizzo is the one out there right now who is that person putting herself out there who is a um, plus size person, but she's embracing it. She's loving it. People might have their opinions about it, but Hey, guess what? She's putting out there. She's a confident person. I think that is greatly important. You mentioned, you know, that you're at your local pool with your shirt off, not caring. Hey, that's great. But that is, I, 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 and that kind of goes into what we were saying before is or what I was saying before is that I think ultimately, no matter what people's goals are when it comes to the scale or even if it's a non-weight loss goal, I kind of feel like people's subconscious goal is either one of two things. Either one, I want to look great in my clothes or I want to look great out of my clothes, if you know what I mean. So, and for some people, maybe both. And I think if anybody can get to that point of themselves to be that confident that they like what they see in their clothes and out of them, I think that's really important. And I think... And all the people that I, that I talk to who have struggled with that, most of the people that I, I do talk to about that, they always say that the scale number would be great, but I just want to be right up here. I want to, I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror and like what I actually see, no matter what it is. And and you hit on that completely. That is highly important. And and the reason why I, I so I found another article the other day from the Mayo Clinic talking about. Um, now weight loss goals that are worth setting. And they mentioned 10 of them. And you, in your, what you were saying earlier, you hit on like almost all 10 of them, maybe nine of them, except for one of them. Um, you know, they got drink more water, get more sleep, be more flexible with your nutrition, uh, incorporate res- resistance training, uh, do more of what makes you happy. But the sixth one in there is cut out the negative self-talk. Now, even though you can take out the self part and it'll still be applicable, cut out the negative talk. But I do think the self talk is probably what's going to be more dangerous because you can cut out, cut out the outside talk in any way you can, whether it be TV, you know, social circles, you know, internet, whatever, but you can't take, you can't get away from this. You have to get away from it yourself. This is always going to be up with, with you here. You can't get away from that. So turn that self image around all that negative self talk, get rid of that. That's, Huge, because this is always going to be here. So if you can get this straight, everything out here don't matter no more. So that definitely is important there as well. Um, 
But number seven, and you mentioned this too, aim for consistency over perfection. And I've even heard professional bodybuilders talk about this is that whenever they ask people, how do you maintain that grit, you know, that stage ready body all the time? And they, and one thing, one person that I, I follow on YouTube, Dana Lynn, uh, Dana Lynn Bailey, former, you know, she won the Arnold competition years ago. The one thing she always said was consistency. I'm consistent with my workouts, consistent with my eating, all that stuff. Now, obviously, I'm not saying everybody needs to be uh, in the bodybuilder mindset, you know, because you don't. If that's not your goal, then you don't have to do what they do as far as the full details. But again, like this article said, like she said, be consistent with your workouts, with your eating habits, things like that. And, you know, and you mentioned, too, it's not that you can't have those cheat meals, as people sometimes call it. I like to call it the one-off meals because cheating has a negative connotation to it. So you can have those one-off meals, one-off snacks, stuff like that. But as you mentioned, and as I say as well, moderation, portion control. Moderation, don't be having it that often. Don't be doing it every other day, whatever, like that. And then portion control. If you want to have, if you want to have some pizza every so often, that's great. But don't be eating three of them, you know? Don't be eating three whole pizzas, you know? Don't do that. Portion control. Keep that in mind, too. But again, consi- consistency. So have those one-off meals or one-off snacks. That's fine. But again, consistency. Whatever and whatever form that may look like for you and your fitness nutrition goals, you know? Uh, learn something new when it comes to either yourself or when it comes to, you know, working out nutrition. Learn something new to better yourself in that fitness goal that fit, you know, that you have for yourself. Uh, eat mindfully kind of goes into what I was saying before. Um, but then also, you know, control your food environment. You know, I, I say with that, definitely people need to have a healthy relationship with food and drink. That's very important. And I think you'd like to say you probably, I think you have said this, you have a better relationship with it now than you have before, you know, and even people who are actually, you know, of the fitness mindset, like they've done competitions before that I've t- talked to, even they have tr- trouble with this sometimes, controlling your food environment. But I One tip I, I would give people just for my personal situation, you're, when you look at your food environment, you think of one thing, the kitchen, the refrigerator. So if you're trying to be consistent, and again, keep in mind portion and, uh, portion and moderation, don't bring that stuff in your, in your house. Because if you bring it in your house, guess what? That means you got to eat it. So save your one-off meals, like say for when you're going out somewhere or you're picking up some lunch randomly for work or whatever, save it for that. But control your food environment, control your kitchen, control your fridge. That's the best tip I can give when it comes to that. But I, and I'll tell you something else, Terrence. You know, we always see have our production meetings on Mondays. We talk about what we're going to talk about and go from there. Then we record on Tuesdays, and on Tuesday, Tuesdays before we record, I always make my show notes and get in my head what we want to talk about, things like that for all the segments and everything. I didn't actually make a whole lot of notes for this segment because I, I mean, I had some article, a couple articles I would kind of work off of, and I figured, you know what? Between you and me, between all the the, the experiences we have when it comes to trying to reach fitness goals and things like that, for from two two different perspectives. I figured I didn't really need a whole lot of show notes for this segment. So I, I didn't, I made like two lines for this segment and that's it. Same. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah. I really feel like it was, we wanted to talk about this segment from the perspectives of how we approach personal fitness, 
And the thing that I really appreciate the most is that number one, Jason and I, we've been best friends for 30, you know, 30 years. Uh, we have very different physiques. Okay. I was at one point guys, 400 pounds. I'm 265 as of this week. Uh, and I guarantee you, I'm still probably giving up a good 90 pounds, if not a hundred to, uh, Mr. Jason Ross here. So I think what we can offer, um, what we can offer people is different experiences, different perspectives, uh, different successes, different failures. And what people can see is that, Hey, just because somebody looks like they don't struggle with this shit doesn't mean that they got it all figured out because trust Jason and I could probably tell you about all the ways in which you can fuck up a diet, (laughs) all the ways in which you can injure yourself while working out. Hell, I once sprained a knee walking away from a fucking Bowflex. Okay, kids? I've seen it all. I've done it all. You mean, like, that th- you mean that thing in your basement that never got used that I saw? It got used. It got used. I just had to hobble away that one time. Um, I'm like the evil Knievel of fucking sports injuries, man. It's hilarious. So, but yeah. Yeah, it's... um. Oh, and by the way, um, now Terrence... Folks, he doesn't know it, but he made a, you know, a, a typical mistake people make. They look at somebody and assume things. So, you know, you, now you guys heard Terrence. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You assume stuff. So you heard Terrence make the statement that he, he guy ha- probably has me, has me by like 90, 100 pounds. And is that what you're sticking to, Terrence? You think you got me by 90 or 100 pounds? Yeah. Okay. And you said you're 265 right now? I weighed myself this morning. Yes. So what would what would I say to you if I told you that as of yesterday that you and I are only 61 pounds apart? What okay. would you say? I would say someone's been uh, hitting it hard with the vegan donuts. That's what I would say. <laughs> That's what I would say. No, yeah, no. Well, I'll tell you what, bro. So actually, I did weigh myself yesterday and I was 204. Uh, and actually, so just so you guys know, for my own you know, insight into my life. Um, so right now I'm actually in what they call the cutting process where I'm dropping body fat right now. Um, so that's part of my goal there. So I actually started this uh, a little while ago. At I was actually at 212, Terrence. Um, but yeah, so, you know, looking to get that body fat percentage down there. Now, as far as the scale goes, if you are someone who is using a scale to measure whatever you're going to measure, Unless you're someone who's a professional in the fitness game, bodybuilder, crossfitter, whatever, my recommendation with the scale is if you can avoid using it altogether, great. But if you're going to use it, only use it once a week. You don't need to do it more than that because it comes because an obsession. Would you not agree, Terrence? I am conflicted on that, Jason, because I've definitely gone the route where I was weighing myself every day. That shit does get to be a little absurd. I would say once a weekend and then twice during the week. Moderation. You're literally doing it three days out of seven. That's okay. But ultimately, I think find a cadence that works for you. It really doesn't do you a whole bunch of good if you're doing it every fucking day. And yet 
you're not changing anything about what you eat or what you're doing from a fitness perspective. You know, it's like expecting, you know, money to magically fucking show up at your doorstep <laughs> before payday. It's like, it's not going to happen. So, well, just some insight. The reason why I say once a day because, or once a week, excuse me. Uh, and when I say that, typically I'd say make it, make sure it's the same day every week, like whether it be every Monday, every Tuesday, whatever. Also make sure it's the same time frame of day, ideally before you've eaten anything for the day. See, I uh, think that's more important is that yeah. do it as many fucking times as you want to do it. Hi-yo. Uh, during a week. Just make sure you do it at the same time because chances are your routine is going to define what you weigh. Some people tend to be a little heavier, heavier in the evening. Some people prefer to do a fasted cardio type deal. Whatever you do, make sure that you're doing it with the same parameters in play. If you're doing it with shoes on, weigh yourself with shoes on the next time. Don't stop, stop trying to fool with a fucking scale. I mean, the tech has come far enough that the, the fucking scale literally does everything except come on fam. Yeah. And I think that goes back to consistency as well. And again, I still stick to once a week, but if you are someone for whatever reason, still wants to do multiple times a week, I'd say still do comparisons week to week. So Terrence mentioned, if you're going to do it three times a week, pick the again, pick the same three days every week, say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but do your comparisons week to week on the same day. What were you, if you wear yourself on one Monday, what were you last Monday? Compare yourself to that. When you get to Wednesday, compare yourself to last Wednesday. Don't be comparing yourself week from day to day during the same week. Because the thing is, you're most people aren't eating the exact same things every 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 day of the week. So that plays a role in it too. So and that's why I say do it once a week because it can become too much of a game. Again, if you're someone who's a pro and knows what you're doing and not getting too obsessive with the scale and focus on the other stuff, then okay. But for most people like Joe Schmo and and Jenny from around the block, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Adding more to the list of Jasonisms on this show, people. Um, so again, so Joe Schmo, Jenny around the block, who may not be as much deep in the fitness game as professionals are. Again, still consistency, but I'd recommend to avoid the whole scale obsession. No more than once a week. Just my opinion, of course. Terrence given given his. As always, we have different differences of opinion. People are probably going to hate my opinions based off last week's uh, you know discussion, and that's fine if you can't separate the two. That's your problem. But but uh, but yeah. So but yeah, definitely this has been a great topic. I'm glad we covered it. I you know again, I, I think this topic not just for me and Terrence, but definitely affects a lot of people when it comes to this is relative to me in my situation. That might also be a Jasonism in relation to me and my situation. All right. That concludes segment two related to body image. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the movie and TV dads that we loved on Cal Park Bros.
welcome back to the Cal Park Bros podcast. Jason and I are are done are done blowing up our egos related to body image. You know what? After the last fifteen months, I think everybody needs to be gassed up a little bit. Come on now. I don't I don't care if you're hitting the gym or not. I think everybody needs a little bit of an ego boost. So, um. In this segment, since it is Father's Day weekend coming up, Jason, I know we wanted to talk about TV and movie dads that we loved, or in some cases hated. I can't really think about a TV or movie dad that I hated. I can only think about ones that I loved, really. Um, what are some movie and TV dads that come to mind when you think about somebody that you that uh, really defined a good TV or movie dad to you? So, as, as I'm sure you did, too, definitely I watched a lot of TV growing up, um, and most of which was like sitcoms or family sitcoms, so definitely had a good plethora of TV dads um, to, to watch. And, I, and again, we're the same age, so I'm sure you're watching some of these same shows, and I'm sure some of the names I mentioned are going to be same for you. I got a bunch of them, unfortunately, but I think the two that I'd say, uh, the two on my list that I'd say that I can almost guarantee will be on yours as well, will be Philip Banks from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Uncle Phil, and Carl Winslow from Family Matters. Uh, I look at those two as when we were growing up, which was really convenient in the 90s, that those are two probably shining examples of Black fathers on Black sitcom shows that were, I believe were pretty iconic, even to people outside of the Black community. Um, in both cases, they were loving fathers or uncles in the cases of uh, Uncle Phil, always full of life lessons from the show, even when presented from a comedic standpoint or when they presented serious shows uh, with serious content. Uh, in Carl Winslow's uh, Family Matters case, that being based in Chicago, that added another wrinkle to it when it comes to, you know, me feeling like, OK, this is, you know, I can feel the story, you know, black family, Chicago, you know, um, Two-parent home, and, that, and that's another thing that about those two shows. They're actually examples of two-parent homes of a black family, and I think that's important there and stands out to me. Uh, also, my list of shows that kind of stand out when it comes to iconic TV dads can't go without mentioning Al Bundy, uh, you know, from uh, uh, Married with Children, Dan Connor from Roseanne, uh, also two other shows also based in the Chicagoland area or Illinois, so definitely had that closeness to me as well. Um, one of my favorite books growing up, which also I enjoyed the movie as well, was To Kill a Mockingbird. And the dad in that, Atticus, Atticus Finch. Um, one thing I liked about the book, but him as a dad in particular, this, you know, is in the South. Obviously, he's a, a white male lawyer and attorney. But that was a good example of someone like him being, a, would say, a social justice warrior, you know. Uh, but also he was a single dad raising two kids, a boy and a girl. Um, now, of course, like a lot of single dads, I'm sure they do what they can to help raise a little girl to be a little girl. But, you know, his daughter was a tomboy, but things like that. But he still did the best he could. Also providing life lessons to both kids, you know, son and daughter. So he's another good example as well. Uh, and of course, iconic dads aren't just in the live you know, form either. You got to mention cartoon dads, Homer Simpson, right? Come on now. You got, 
he, he worked a job he hated and wasn't very good at, by the way, either. A job he hated, wasn't very good at, but he did it for his family that he loved, even though he liked to choke his son all the time. Still, you know, uh, still a loving dad, wanted best for his family. So uh, definitely that there. Um, to that same ilk, Peter Griffin, man. I mean, you know, little somebody a little more recent than that, but uh, I think he's gotten to the point now where he's definitely an iconic TV dad, probably for different reasons, for all his shenanigans as a, as a husband and a father. Uh, to two kids, you know, because Meg doesn't count, of course. Um, and then the last two on my list um, are George Lopez from the George Lopez show. That's, again, obviously not a black family, but still a minority family. Growing up from very humble beginnings from George as a kid in the show. But then obviously he grew up, overcame his situation when it comes to not having a father, having a very underwhelming mother. But he grew up, got the High school sweetheart, you know, loving kids, you know, son, daughter, made it as well. And lastly, probably an iconic show for most people, Full House, Danny Tanner, played by Bob Saget. You, you got to admire that role for Bob Saget because he was a very dirty comic. But he, he played, he was a neat freak of a dad on the show, raising three a girls. people don't yeah. know that, though, Jason. There's an entire community of people that re- that have no fucking clue that Bob Saget literally curses more than we do on Cal Park Rose. Well, for, whoa, whoa, whoa. once again, once again, you're putting that tag on me. I think all the complaints about people cussing too much was you. So don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't put that on me. But who are some of your iconic dads, sir? Um, I'm kind of mad you picked off Al Bundy because I definitely loved Married with Children as a kid. Um. Uncle Phil, you man it, you uh for Carl Winslow, um my fa- my favorite bit that he did um on Family Matters was uh the uh one, two, three, what the heck is bothering me? Like the the dad that has just had enough of everybody's shit, but he realizes he that he's literally gonna blow a gasket. Um, and so he's trying to like meditate and calm himself down. It's one of my favorite uh, Family Matters bits regarding Carl Winslow, the dad. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with something people didn't maybe didn't see coming. Red from that '70s show. Red absolutely loves his kids, um, but he can definitely come off as very stern and uh, gravelly and gruff and perhaps abrasive. And perhaps some of that resonates with me as a father who loves all of his children dearly, uh, but periodically realizes that boots need to go to asses periodically. So um, definitely love Red Foreman. Um, Granddad from Boondocks. I consider him to be a father figure. So, um, when we talked about this in our production meeting, uh, one dad that I thought about that was a little unconventional, uh, another Ed O'Neill reference, Dutch. You remember the movie Dutch, Jason? I, I do. Also, somewhat based around Chicago, I, I do remember that. It, it, it has a good, it's good points. Things I still remember. I actually, after we talked about that yesterday, I actually added that to my watch list. Um, on like Netflix or whatever it was. So thank you for that, Terrence. Yeah, man. Dutch, Dutch, Dutch was the MVP, especially with that big ass ring. So 
put that big ass dent in old boy's forehead. So, um, some some of my other favorite favorite dads, Liam Neeson, and Tate. Bro, I I think in all these dads we've mentioned, I think you had to put him up there with the best dads. I mean, this guy went to other countries killing people in order to find his daughter and get him back. And he promised old boy on the phone, said, hey, I'm coming for you. Old boy said, good luck. Like, no, you're going to need luck because I'm coming. Does, not that not that I'm endorsing violence again or you know encouraging anybody to kill people, but there's a lot of people that talk a lot of trash. And I know it's just a movie, but in all these iconic TV, TV dads and movie dads, again, he went to other countries killing people to get his daughter back and, and to also do Avengers ex-wife too. So yeah, he's up there. He, he Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to hijack that, uh, that listing there, but yeah, best no, dad. No. He's up there. You didn't hijack it. And Liam Neeson definitely would have taken care of you if you would have tried to hijack it. So Jason, don't sweat it. No, the, these are some great uh, TV dads that we, we love. Oh, my my last one was going to be uh, Superman's dad, Jarrell. Marlon Brando came through, crushed the buildings, given all sorts of Kryptonian bars from from the beyond. Definitely one of my favorite movie dads. And to that, just like yesterday, I say that, well, if we're going to bring up Jarrell, Superman's dad, how many other superhero dads we got to bring up? I mean, I'm just saying, there's some other good superhero dads, you know, just in the Marvel franchise alone. Well, just name them. Uh, well, we have uh, uh, Thor's dad. You know, he spoke. He came back and spoke to him from the grave, just like Superman's dad. Same thing. Uh, I mean, Black, 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 Odin's son. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Odin. Then you got Black Panther's daddy. Same thing. He was talking talking to him from behind the grave as well. So don't be just singling out Superman's dad just because you like Superman. I'm just saying. Don't be hating on on Black Panther and you know and Thor. Wow, I guess Loki from that same matter too. By the way, oh, and by the way, if you haven't watched Loki yet on uh, Disney Plus, make sure you do that. I'm finally caught up on uh, uh, WandaVision, and I finally watched uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I guess I'm in a good place um, to pivot to Loki within the next week or so. And not, not to get off track, but definitely I think we should talk about that, the next direction of Marvel movies, because there's they got some things coming up, not just on Disney Plus, but actually in the theaters. But but again, that's for a different, you know, show. We'll stay on topic. Yeah. So yeah, speak speaking, yeah, Marvel is basically everybody's daddy with the amount of money that that they're gonna continue to make. So happy Father's Day to the Marvel Universe. Um but yeah, uh, you, there's definitely been some great TV and movie dads and some memorable um, characterizations. Oh yeah, Chris, you, listen, you can't have the Christmas vacation rant without one Clark Griswold. I mean, God bless, God bless that man, Chevy Chase. That was an iconic role, and I can relate to somebody basically doing anything in, the, in his power to impress his family um and in, to almost the point of lunacy um and at the end of the day he just had to say pass the tylenol <laughs> yeah i mean the man did dan he broke his neck and went through everything to get his family to go to, to amusement park only for it to be closed 
He took his trip, uh, family on a European trip, all the shenanigans that happened there. He wanted the best for his family when it comes to a Christmas Christmas vacation. Even took the family to Vegas. Vegas. So I, I'd say definitely he's up there with, with the great dads of movie and TV. And of course, again, from Chicago, Clark Griswold. So, hey, does it get better than that? Damn, we were very Chicago-centric in this uh, Father's uh, Day rendition of the Cal Park Bros podcast. And we didn't even really talk about pizza. So, Does it surprise anybody that that's what we want to talk about? I mean, obviously, there wasn't any intention. But, again, Chicago, of course, is going to have a big influence on us when it comes to the things we like and sometimes the things we loathe. Yes, very true. True, very true words from my co-host, Jason. Um, well, Jason, I think this is a perfect time to pivot to our, you know, Father's Day um, tribute. So I'll let you take it away. Um, what's your your thoughts on to the fathers that matter, that, you know, you're thinking of during this weekend? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um as we mentioned before, this Sunday, the June the 20th, is Father's Day. Um, and, of course, we had to do one. Uh, we did a Mother's Day tribute about a month or so ago, so we had to you know, do the same thing for dads. Um, I, I do want to say that I do think in this country, for whatever reason, and I get it, you know, it shouldn't be, that Mother's Day gets a lot more attention than Father's Day does. Um, and I think that's very unfortunate. Um, not that mothers don't, but fathers do play a special role in the lives of their children. And I know there's a lot of mothers out there who say they, they're playing both roles and I get that part as well. But I do think whether it's a daughter or a son, I think a father, a male father plays an important role when it comes to that and it cannot be replaced. And I think any single mom up boys will tell you that same thing. They can try all they want, but it's not the same. So with that being said, I do have to bring up and shout out my own dad, uh, Delano Ross Jr. Um, I did grow up in a two-parent home. Um, you know, my parents got eventually you know, separated, got divorced or whatever. Still, my both parents are always in my life, still are to this day. Um, and I think that is a great shining example to me of if I ever did have a family, um, that that's how to raise them. Make sure you're there for your children whenever they need something from you or sometimes when they want something. And I can definitely say that for both my parents, especially my dad, Delano. Um, I think this is probably the case for a lot of dads. They were looked at sometimes to be the discipline, disciplinarian of the, of the family. I think, you know, it's like if you messed up at school or started cutting up, you get home and your mom find out about it. And, and, the, and the classic line would always be, wait till your dad gets home, you know? Um, and a lot, and I will say from my house, that was the same, the same thing, you know, not the same that my mom didn't uh, whoop me sometimes too, even though she'll deny that she ever did, but we know she did. But dad was definitely one to not spare the rod. He did not do that. Um But, uh, but at the same time, that's a good thing. Cause it taught me, it did teach me discipline. You know, not necessarily was I scared of dad, but I respected dad and I still do to this day. Um, my dad's a very logical individual. 
and I, I didn't learn that until obviously I got a little older, uh, teenage years. I learned he was very logical, and that rubbed off on me as well. My dad is very logical, a lot of common sense, and that rubbed off on me as well. And I, I definitely want to thank my dad for all those life lessons he gave when it comes to things logical, giving me all that common sense. In a way, I also think he helped me be street smart as well. Even though I moved away from Chicago, you know, at the end of my teenage years and haven't lived, haven't lived there since, I I still think my streetwise that I do have, no offense to mom, but I think came a lot from my dad. Um, I think with him growing up in Chicago, that's an, an aspect of life that he was able to provide when it comes to that logic and general awareness and also just how to how to be a man, you know. Um, so definitely kudos to him for that. Love you, Pop. I can't thank you enough for all of that. Um, lots of lessons there. Uh, pivoting to some of the other dads in my family, my, my brother, Delano. Um, he is a parent. Uh, Delano third. he's a parent now. Uh, definitely, obviously, younger in the spectrum of his, you know, fatherly life. But uh, definitely, from what I can tell, he's doing a good job. Um, his daughter seems to be on her way to being a, a great, fine young woman. Um, so I encourage you, Lano, to keep going. I know sometimes things aren't easy being a dad, um, but keep going, bro. I want you to do well because we want her to do well as well. So keep up. And and uh, even though the 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 role of a father is equally as important to uh, to their sons, in some ways, I think it is maybe even more important when it comes to being in that role for their daughters. And, and that's one thing I, I strive and hope for my brother to maintain is to be a, a good example for this young woman going out into the world that she bases her opinion on men based off of the good example my, my brother provides. So again, keep going there. Uh, a few more shout outs here. Terrence, of course, I got. I can't go without mentioning yourself as well. Um, yeah, dude. In, in your aspect, I'd say that obviously you, you know, you play the role of dad in two different ways. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, taking care of your own biological child as well, but also playing a, the good father role to two children who aren't your blood, but you don't treat them any differently because of it. And there's many fathers out there that play that same role. And it's equally as important as well no matter what's going on with their actual biological dad. And that's not just Terrence's situation, but any situation there. So definitely an important role. And from what I can tell from the feedback I've seen with my own eyes, you play the role well. And I also can encourage you to keep going with that, bud. It's very much appreciated. You're raising two great daughters and also a great son. Um, so again, keep going, bud. You're, you're doing great. And it's, it's very impressive and appreciated by me. So keep going. Um, lastly, the other um, dads in my family, some of my cousins and uncles, my uncle Donnie, my uncle Charlie, my cousin Ted, cousin Byron, cousin Tommy, cousin Jared, cousin Justin. Again, happy Father's Day to you guys all. Um, you guys are all great dads in, in all your special ways, and it's very much appreciated. And again, just keep going. You know, I know it's not always easy being a dad. Not, not that I'm speaking from personal experience, of course. But I, I know, I, I definitely get it. So, 
your roles are very much appreciated as well. To keep being those good dads you are, to keep doing the best you can, and everything's going to be all right. So, um, and last but not least, I mentioned before Mrs. Arabito from Mother's Day. I can't go without mentioning Mr. Arabito as well. Um, Mr. Arabito, he was definitely kind of the laid back, relaxed dad, you know, for my buddy Fabrizio. Uh, he was always he always seemed pretty calm. And there was a little bit of a language barrier between me and him, but I could always tell that whenever he was delivering a lesson to to one of his three kids or all three of them, that you can tell he was delivering it with lots of care. Um, but at the same time, though, when he got mad, you can tell he wasn't afraid to hold back and let it out and say, hey, this is how you messed up, and I'm going to let you know about it right now. So, And with me being over there at Beatles' house as much, I was able to see a lot of that. And But now, obviously, I wasn't you know, their child, but just being able to see that additional example of good fatherly parenting going on from somebody else's parents, that almost confirmed the great job that was being done by my dad to say, okay, my dad's doing handling his business this way. My my best buddy's dad's handling it that way. I know something's going on right. So so hopefully you're listening to this or hopefully Fabrizio's listening and he'll share the message. But Mr. Rabito, thank you for everything you've done for me in all the years that I live next door to you uh, in the Chicagoland area. Thank you, and happy Father's Day to everybody I just mentioned, including my own dad. Again, Dad Delano Ross Jr., happy Father's Day. Amen, brother. Yeah, I am going to try and keep mine a little shorter, um, you know, uh, for my father-in-law, for my brother-in-law, for my for my uncles, um, you know, I hope you guys have a great Father's Day. Um, the men in my life have definitely modeled in some ways some semblance, some some blueprint, some building block of how I envisioned fatherhood. Um, and um, I'm going to start with my dad um, because, you know, my dad and I didn't see eye to eye um, on everything when he was living and God rest his soul. Um, but I, I still think about him quite a bit, actually, especially around father's day and his birthday. And I think about when people die, we do this weird thing where we romanticize them or we demonize them. And I definitely have lived in both realms, uh, since my father's passing in 2008. Um, but now as I, um, am a father of three, um, or three and a half, if you count this dog. I think just as I have a very healthy sense of self regarding how I feel at 41, I also feel like I have a healthy sense of what my father was like as a man. Um, and when I can think about, oh, wow, there were certain things that he did for um, Jennifer and I, um, like picking up payday on payday he would pick up like a tin sack from white castle like i was so fixated on you know when he passed away i was so fixated on all the things that in my mind he didn't do right i also proceeded to, to ignore all the things that he uh, that he did that were exemplary um and with my oldest uh going to be 18 very soon. 
Um, it has really gotten me really emotional, guys, because it makes me think about, okay, time is precious. Um, and as a father, you have to seize the moment because your time with your children before they turn 18 is not long. You know, 10 years ago, I thought I had fucking forever for Gabrielle. The reality is she's going to be an adult, um, you know, by definition, <laughs> um, a, a, a little over a year. So I did, you don't have time. You have the illusion of time. And my suggestion to any parent is to make a use of that time and to appreciate uh, the small moments and the big moments and to not worry about all the shit that you think you're doing wrong, you know, and I think if my dad were here, I would tell him that number one, I love, I, even though we didn't always see eye to eye, that dad, I love you. And that you did a lot of little things, right. And I'm going to try to model those things. So Phil Brown, um, I would like to thank you for these ridiculously good looks, this medium brown skin, this one hell of a sarcastic sense of humor. Also this hairline. But I just want to know that I love you. And I'm glad that you and Catherine met all those years ago because I think you produced two pretty badass kids. And uh, I think you'd be proud of the of, of the man that you raised. I really th think you would be. And so I think that is my lesson or rather my feedback from Father's Day is just to cherish, cherish the moment and cherish today because, you know, tomorrow's not promised to anybody. Um, and your kids are going to be grown before you know it. And that childhood, you only get one shot at it. So don't, Worry about all the little shit. Appreciate the small victories um, and cherish that time with your kiddos. So that's all I got, my man. Again, thank you, brother, for you. Listen, you've seen a lot of shit with me as a dad. So I appreciate just even making the cut and your, your, and your final thoughts on this. So, all right. Um, that concludes uh, segment three, and that also concludes um, episode nine of the Cal Park Bros podcast. Jason, you have any final thoughts before we take off for tonight? You know, guys, as always, uh, definitely got to thank you for listening. Uh, we see that you continue to listen, um, and even more so with each episode. We do appreciate that. Thank all the listeners listening, no matter what country you're from, whether you're from this one, whether you're over in Europe, other countries in North America, or for anybody that listens to us beyond those. Um, again, we always do thank you there. Um, hopefully in that time frame that you've been listening, you've noticed the growth of the show, the growth of me and Terrence as well. Um, some of the changes we've made um, and also be aware of the ones we may make in the future, which are, there are some things coming. Um, also just make sure you do, um, Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are there under Cal Park Bros. Send us any feedback, any questions, comments, concerns, topic ideas to calparkbros at gmail.com. Uh, also, 
on our anchor page, there's a way that you can send us a voice message that we can be played uh, on a, uh, on the show. You probably heard some examples of that the last few episodes. And if you think you can do better than that, submit something to us. Make sure you keep it clean and appropriate. Um, and we'll definitely try to get you on the air. Um, also, to find that, there's a pinned post at the top of our face, uh, Facebook page. It's there. Follow the link. Go there. Submit the message. And we'll get you on. Um, lastly, I got to throw it out there as well as you know. Make sure you like us, love us, follow us, share us. I'll say how I want, Terrence. But if you like us, why wouldn't you? Terrence, take it away. Amen, brother. All right. That concludes episode nine. Thank you for listening to the Cal Park Bros podcast with your host, Terrence and Jason. And this is Cal Park Bros signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?